You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to the No Labels, No Limits podcast, podcast all about breaking through limiting labels and beliefs so that we can actually be our best selves in the world for ourselves and for those we love and care about. Um, this week, we're going to be joined by Neil Bindeman. And Neil and I met through a mutual friend. Um, I love those connections because the comment to me was, you need to know Neil. And when we have people who know us and they say those things, my choice is always to say, okay, I guess I do. And I did. So let me tell you just a little bit about Neil. He is the founder of Lifestyle Health Foundation, which was inspired by combining and supporting the work of the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine and learning how a childhood trauma his father had suffered had profound generational influence on his dad's life and on Neil's life. He has a passion for person-centered care, recognizing after major surgery for his own brain tumor in 2015, that health professionals can also be people living with long-term conditions. And this is super exciting on March 27th. So we're recording this right before that, but you won't hear this podcast till after Neil and his team launched smart tracker, which is a powerful app that helps helps users personalize the quality of life measures. Think of those things that make our lives have meaning for us um, and recognize the emotions and values that can often be hidden and oftentimes due to trauma. Neil continues to run the Primary Care and Community Neurology Society, the Community Therapist Network, and he, with a great team at Innervate Team, also helps run the Society of Research and Rehabilitation. So basically, Neil has his hands full of brain work, helping professionals, and people who care about others. So in this conversation, I'm going to ask Neil more about the unintentional and traumatic event that I just mentioned to you guys. his, what it has been like for him to have his own trauma, his brain trauma, and then um, an update on the Smart Tracker app and where it is today and his hopes for it, um, maybe even just six months from now. So we're going to have a great conversation. And with that, I want to welcome you, Neil. Hello. Uh, lovely to be here with you, Sarah. Well, I like to start by asking everybody if there's something that you do daily, Neil, that keeps you focused on what you are going after in life. Oh, gosh. Well, um, I, I've taken up the, uh, the sort of almost doing a bit of meditation um, in, uh, in the mornings and get, sometimes I'm going out actually sitting outside in, in nature uh and just listening very carefully to the birds and the sounds to really bring some peace and calm into my life and have you how long have you been doing that i've been doing that for uh probably i would say a year or maybe maybe a bit less than a year now i don't do it every day but um, i also mix that with 
listening to uh, music. Um, I have a lovely, lovely book um, that uh, was written by um, a BBC Radio 3 like presenter and, and does something in this country on the, on the BBC Proms, which is a big festival of music. And, and she wrote a, a book that, that is about one piece of music special for that day. And she tells you why it is such special on that day. And it can be a classical piece of music. It mostly is probably classical in the first volume. And it's lovely because you just get it up onto your system and it's about four or five minutes long. And I start my day listening to that. You know, it's interesting. I have an app that is um, designed so that you can have it playing while you're working or doing whatever you want. But it's actually was recalibrated. It takes existing music and makes it so that it really affects brainwaves. And one of the, actually two of the optional or the channels you can select from, they're all classical, but they're classical in different tone ranges, right? So is it classical um, symphonic? Or is yeah. it like more of the Baroque style? So it's it really is. interesting that you mention that. Yeah, no, I, um, well, I play the trumpet as well. So music is quite part of my life. And, um, and I'm well aware of the benefits of music therapy in the world of, especially in the world of brain injuries um, and rehabilitation. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great way of, of sort of starting the day. Love it. That's a great place to jump into. Can you share a little bit about your own experience with brain trauma? And then um, we can dig in from there. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so it all started for me back in 2014, 15. And because of my neurosciences background, um, it was quite bizarre, really. I started to get a number of strange symptoms. I recently written about it, about the importance of anything that may seem strange and you think it's going to go away. That might be just your mind saying to you, um, it, you're hoping it's going to go away. And I strongly suggest, depending on the nature of that, you don't I'll wait because for me, I left it for a while. And I noticed these things getting a little worse. I eventually spoke to a friend of mine who's a GP with special interest in headache and told him it was getting progressive. It just felt progressive. And he suggested that I get an appointment with a GP. He was very nice about it. And so I did that. And then um, eventually, a few months later, found myself in King's College Hospital, which is one of the major hospitals in London. And it was... I think March the 10th, 2015, I was there on my own. I'd been for a series of tests to do with nerve conduction studies, they're called, just checking that my neurons were working, etc. That was fine. I went in for an MRI scan and that was it. So I came out of the MRI scan and suddenly my life was about to change dramatically. And it was the words that the woman spoke to me. And this has only recently been something that I've been aware of, that it was the words that set me off in this traumatizing uh, experience. And she simply said, do you mind taking a seat? The doctors are looking at your scans and they'd like to come and talk to you. 
well that for me was just enough to know that they clearly got something very significant to come and talk to me about and i went totally cold i was in shock they had to get me a blanket a sweet cup of tea and eventually within maybe 15 minutes i found myself in a pretty cold white room surrounded by three doctors three surgeons saying there is a tumor we have found on the scan um we're just getting a bed ready for you i was like what i could swear at this point and just say you know but i won't ask for on podcast i was thinking to myself what's going on anyway they said you need urgent surgery so that i was living at that point with something called hydrocephalus very dangerous pre head pressure which meant that i could actually die for any at any point i could collapse with a seizure or whatever because of that pressure is that what was creating the symptoms that you had started to notice it was, yeah it was yeah so it was a blockage um in the cerebral spinal fluid flow because the tumor was right in the heart of my brain um and that meant that anyway i had to phone my wife because i'd gone on my own i was thinking i wasn't you know i was going to be given tests because i was thinking i might have actually i might have ms because of the types of symptoms i was suspected plus it was either that or it was a tumor in my head um but i phoned my wife back in 2015 she was picking the children up from primary school and i had to relay that, that i wasn't coming home and even now seven years on i'm quite emotional thinking that through now because actually what happened there was she said to me it's actually i can laugh about this now but she said to me before i got a chance to say anything can i just call you back i'm just picking the children up and i was like what i i, I was about to say what the f um anyway she called me back and i told her and she she dropped everything she was there with me very quickly and i love thinking back about aspects of what went on there because before i had the surgery my my son and my daughter who were very quite small at that time came in with her to see me before surgery and bless him arthur who's now 15 he was going to scouts and he said daddy daddy i've got to go now i've got i've got scouts sorry got to go sorry i'll see you later <laughs> children they're wonderful aren't they they're just wonderful so that just grounded me and it was just great anyway i had the surgery um and my life changed from then thankfully i was operated on march friday march the 13th so um it was a good day for me and a week later i was out of hospital living with a tumor on my pineal gland called a pineocytoma 
So a growing tumor, not malignant, but a growing, very dangerous tumor, which continued to grow um, until 2018, which was, um, that was to do with me going on the diet, on a diet. So I went on to the ketogenic diet at that point um, because of my neuroscience background. I, I, I was aware of the evidence of its use in epilepsy um, and also the developing interest in its use in brain tumors as well. So I gave it a go and it seemed to work for me along with maybe a few other things that I was doing around my mental health. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm here, thankfully, to, to tell the tale now. Um, well, it's been seven years. It's been seven years and it's been an amazing seven years of a lived experience. So how does talk about that, Neil? How does, how did and how does your lived experience um, kind of frame or shift the empathy that you have both for yourself, but for other health professionals who may be living with long-term conditions? Um, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think it's, it's been learning around the significance of emotions that, that I experienced around the words that, that got spoken to me, because it relates also to traumatizing events that can happen to other people when words get spoken to them. And also when words are spoken by the person too. It's important to recognize that a healthcare professional who has got to give bad news has maybe had 24 hours or even some cases 48 hours knowledge to, that they've got to tell this person, which can be horrendous news. So they have emotions, they're people, and that's not easy. They, they might not sleep the night before knowing that they've got to give somebody I'm not saying every health professional is like that. I think you can tell the ones who probably are and those who are not. But for me, it's about the relationship between a health professional and the patient or the general public. It's always been that for me. It's about the best that you can have experience-wise from, from the consultation with a professional. And it's, it's a partnership. And a partnership means that you you both take on elements and both gonna have emotions. And if you share emotions, it's amazing when you see the empathy that can come from both parties in that. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and emotions is something the, the words is something that is important because I think I, I, I mentioned to you a bit before um, the significance of words also in relation to my dad um, because that was something I learned from my trauma. It was because of the fact that 
I started to open up about aspects of the fact that I'd gone through a trauma and I started to speak to my father and we started to have interesting conversations towards sort of the end of his life about a year, maybe a bit more than that before he died in 2020. I had a conversation with him and I discovered that he'd had a childhood trauma, which was as a result of unintentional use of words that his parents had spoken to him, um, whereby he was not expecting something that took place in his life, which was to do with associated with the death of his sister. Um, when, when he was a little boy and she was much, much older than him. And it was uh, short, probably shortly after the war. I'm not sure how, how long after. And um, his, his parents and parents today still struggle with talking about death. Um, and they had said to him that, um, well, she had gone out the house. I'll wind it back just quickly, just to put it into context. Yeah, that would she be had, helpful. Yeah, I, what had happened basically was he had too much older sisters. One of them was Edna, and Edna got sick during the war, and she died of TB. So she she left the house, and um, he had a conversation one day with Bertha, his other older sister. Clearly, he was worried because of what had happened. And so, and he knew that Bertha um, worked as a nurse. And they were just having a conversation about things. And he, he turned to her one day and he said, what will I do if you don't come back? Referring to what happened with, uh, with Edna. And, and she, I suppose, flippantly just sort of said to him, well, you'll just have to um, do my work for me. And then several weeks went on. I don't know how many, but sadly, um, Bertha left the house and um, his parents said to him uh, about maybe 10 days after she'd left the house, you're going to see your sister in the church. And this is a little boy who um, hadn't seen his sister and was really excited thought i'm gonna see her oh, and see i wonder i know i wonder how she's gonna be it'll be great well when he he, he was there he went, turned up at the church he did not expect the fact that she was going to be in a coffin and that was it that was the most traumatizing thing i think that a little child well one one of the most traumatizing aspects that can happen and as a result of that it led him down a path of first becoming a minister because he knew his sister what his sister did and actually went into the salvation army first and then became a minister and then he became a psychologist because ministry wasn't quite enough for what he wanted to do and then he was a pioneer psychologist in, in Scotland. He was one of the first psychologists to work in a cancer ward. And so he was very much into that. And 
And for me, I, you mentioned Smart Tracker. Um, sorry, I'm a bit, I'm actually quite emotional about this because um, that for me is me keeping a promise to my dad. Um, I said to him, within days, I think, of him dying, before he died, I said to him, Dad, I'll just have to carry on your work for you. And he turned to me and he said, um, oh, no, I said to him, but I'll do it my way. And he just turned to me and he says, of course, I wouldn't expect anything different. Um, and a little bit underneath all of this is the fact that my dad, he wasn't always the easiest man to live with. Uh, and that was because of his trauma. I learned so much about him. Um, for me, he was a wonderful man in that later on in life. I didn't always think that, I'll be honest. I, there were times when, yeah, anyway, I eventually accepted, I think because I went through the trauma, I accepted this was a man who'd done what he'd done. He had delivered some amazing things. He'd done some fantastic things. And I wanted to carry on the work to do with quality of life. Let's go and with that cool. a bit, Neil. First of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing your feelings. Um, I know personally and professionally that that can be uncomfortable, but those are the parts of us that people hardly ever get to see, right? There are core motivations. They're what we get up in the morning for, um, whether we consciously know it or not. And I just find that being able to acknowledge that personally is freeing right yes. and it's like yes. that's just that's just who it is and how it is and that your dad and you had that coming together later in his life and thankfully not so late in yours especially since you're raising children and you have all this opportunity to impact all the rest of us um how great that that happened to you and i wonder um if not for your tumor if that would have happened I don't think so. And it, I've learned so much as a result of becoming what people say trauma informed. Um, but the one thing I would say to somebody, I've been thinking about this recently. If you have had a fallout with a parent in the past and maybe you maybe when you're quite, you're quite young listening, you might be a young person listening to this. I don't know, but if you are, what I would say to you is go at some point and talk to your parents or parents. If you have an issue, I know it may prove to be a difficult thing to do, but when you are 20 years on in life, there may be questions about your parent that you never get a chance to ask 
in terms of why they were the way they were that and then suddenly you realize you've never had that chance and you you will genuinely you will regret it if you don't do that because you'll be disturbed by the fact that you didn't know you know i fell out with my dad i didn't speak to him for probably two years and i am so glad i am so glad that we, we 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 got back speaking and i learned so much about him and realized that he had this trauma which is why i do what i do let's talk about more about your app are you good to switch gears here a little bit yes so yeah. when i first learned about this this was before it launched it still hasn't as of today launched officially although you've got your website everything's good to go um what was exciting to me, even with limited information, Neil, is that how often it is sometimes when someone says, well, what's going on with you? And you don't necessarily have the words or you don't have a gauge or you're second guessing yourself about your own feelings, your emotions. Um, and when you were describing Smart Tracker, I started thinking, oh my goodness, you know, for young kids who maybe have all this stuff going on, but they don't know how to communicate it to adults or vice versa, how powerful it could be there in coaching and healing from traumas where maybe speech hasn't regained or may never regain and you can use a tracker, how powerful the impact of this is and can be. So would you just kind of give us a sense about it um, and how yeah. it works? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, in a nutshell, really, it recognizes two major aspects of an individual's life that's different for each individual person. Um, and that is your emotions, how you're feeling, and what's important to you in your life, as in your values, and enabling you to link the two together so for example i'll use independence as one of the areas that i know very well it, i took it for granted for for such a long time until i'd had surgery came out of that couldn't drive so suddenly my independence was really hit and i i felt it and if somebody had asked me at that point how would my how was my current level of independence making me feel I certainly would have felt shit if I'm honest. Um, and there would have been all sorts of emotions that I would have selected to put in that. Several years on, I'm now back driving. And if I was asked about those emotions now, I probably would only pick maybe one or two. The difference in that is independence became more important to me then. And so I was more emotional about it. Whereas if somebody had asked me at that point, maybe about my, 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 I don't know, my working life, for example, maybe I would have picked one or two emotion words associated. That would have said to, to, that said to me and said to anybody looking at it, well, clearly you are more emotional about independence than you are about working life. So independence is probably more important to you than working life. Also, because emotions and values are very personal, 
for me, this is the first time we have a quality of life measure that recognizes these personal issues. There are many measures out there that purport to measure quality of life, but because they don't recognize two fundamental aspects of somebody's life, how can you say that is their quality of life without recognizing it? And so the one thing I would say about Smart Tracker is it's certainly a significant advance in that field of measuring quality of life. And hopefully with that, it means that certain therapies that we use will suddenly get more recognition for the fact that they address fundamental important aspects of somebody's life, their emotions and their values, and you're monitoring and measuring those. The smart tracker not only does it do that, it will give the user access to a whole load of resources that are available on on the web. And so depending on what matters to them or the issues or whatever, they can look into that. They can then find the resources. We will build that up over time. The users using it can give us details of anything that we think is useful. The anything that's not for profit would be put up there that it that would be that would be up there for free. There would be no, no charge for that. But for people who have got a profit making business and they want to raise awareness of that through the smart tracker, then we would have to look at that and come to some form of arrangement, business arrangement around those. But um, and then in terms of other people who if, if a, a therapist or a, um, a medical practitioner, an allied health professional wants to use it as an independent practitioner, or they want to use it as part of an organization where there's several of them, then we would set, they get set up as a professional account. And there's, there are two ways of using it. One is as an individual and the other one is as a professional account. Really thought through the rollout of this, like how, how might certain people benefit at the same time staying flexible that you can adapt to what you learn real time from users, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And interestingly, one of the, um, one of our newest recruits uh, into uh, the, the business um, is a young lady who actually has had her own traumatic experiences as a child and she's taken on the responsibility of helping us and build up the resources of that. And we were going through it, looking at it. And it was music to my ears when she was talking about how she could see how this could be used, not only for herself, but for her friend, where her friend is using it. And suddenly she's seeing what the person is dealing with. And she might actually be able to help her herself. It was just wonderful to hear this. It starts giving a shared language. Yes. And also normalizing, you know, I mean, it can be when you're really going through something tough, you can feel so isolated and like, it's only me. How do I explain this? It's too overwhelming. And yet it doesn't have to be. And for children, 
as well. This is a game changer in my view because it doesn't use emojis and some people working with children might say, well, that maybe isn't going to work. But actually from my learning and reading number of books on emotions, it's important that we use words to get what is called, what is called emotional granularity. Uh, and they build up a good language and use of words so they can describe how they're feeling. You can't use emojis, emojis to describe how you are feeling in the same way. That's so true. And once we have language, um, it frees us. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so again, back to your point, words matter. So if I can't they, communicate for good or ill, I'm, I'm, there's a wall, no matter how short or tall it is, I just, there's a barrier that I can bump up against. That's why I'm super excited about this, Neil. Um, so folks listening, Neil and I have already talked about this. I've asked him if he would come back with me and my community, our No Labels, No Limits community, the folks that I connect with through that venue, clients, um, just the broader community to do a, a separate workshop basically where he can walk through pieces of the tool. You can ask questions of him. He can dig in like you might have a specific question about show me this or how would this apply or here's my situation. But he's agreed to spend time with us on that because my personal hope and I do have an agenda here. I'm going to be open about that is I think this tool could be so powerful. I know here in the States and I live in the Western United States and have done work over the years with the state of Nevada and mental health systems and in California, where this, I can see the application of this tool. So I want people to understand it and know it. Many of the groups I work with are nonprofit. So Neil, what you just said about nonprofit accessibility is so powerful. You know, I think about the nonprofits who are working with moms and dads so they can better connect and raise their kids. I'm going, what a powerful tool. So that's my bias, Neil. That's why I'm saying, would you come back so I can get folks to experience this and learn about it? Absolutely. Um, okay, good. So folks listening to this, I'm going to tell you now, we haven't set a firm date. Um, it'll be in April, probably later in the month, so you have time to get involved in it. If you decide you want to get involved with Neil and we've already done it, Still, I want you to reach out. We'll make sure you connect with Neil. I can send you the replay, whatever of that. We're not going to hide this, but I, I know that if we have thousands of people listening at one time, we won't be able to field questions. So just a heads up, we're going to do this. And Neil and I will, before we hang up today, we will arrive at a date that works for Neil and get that out to folks. Um, Neil, any other parting words of thought for this episode? Um, it's just a, that's a good question. It's a difficult one, really. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I probably, I don't have anything major at this point other than um, I think it's going to be a really interesting time coming up in the next few months. And it, I think in case of just watch this space in terms of smart, smart tracker and how, how I believe it will help within the quality of life space. And anybody who is interested in looking into that within the world of cancer, and which is where my dad worked, um, he, 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 he had a lovely phrase for his website, 
one that only dawned on me as to how significant it was the, just the other day. His website is called coldfacecaring.com. Wow. And I just think it's amazing because how many people out there that you know, Sarah, and I know have been there at the coalface in the sense of lived through an experience. They don't have to be a healthcare professional, but they are a coalface carer because they have been there. So I didn't get it. That was one of the things when you first put coalface caring out several years ago, I didn't get it, but I do now. So we'll leave it with that. I'm going to, we'll put a link to cold face caring in the show notes, Neil, um, along with smart tracker for anybody listening. So don't, you don't have to worry about it right now. Just go to the show notes. The hyperlink will be there. Reach out to me at Sarah at sarahbox.com If you want to be included in the announcement, when we do the behind the scenes with Neil, we'd love to have you part of that. And that email comes directly to me. So the team will be able to see it and we'll get you invited to that. Or we'll make Neil do an encore performance if, if necessary. So I'll, I'll bribe him. I'll bribe him. I'm not, I'm not above that. So. Anyway, Neil, thanks so much again for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Uh, That's wonderful. Thank you, Sarah. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.